telling you all the information you need to know because it's secret and you know he's smarter than you so he's keeping it from you right and that's the way praetorians think it this is how you trade one master for another and this has been going on for eons throughout society that what we do is we trade one master for another and today in ohio that's exactly what the republican party has been pushing to conservative people give your selected officials more power to silence the voice of the people so that way you could take away the rights from those that want abortion which by the way the abortion bill is going through this isn't going to catch it so it was all a facade to take power away from the people you know because it's really dangerous over a hundred years only how many was it six constitutional amendments were made with simple majority everything else had 70 60 percent but this is the problem society as a whole has been cultivated throughout time to follow the leader to look up at the stars and look at who's telling you what to do and they know best so you must this is exactly what's happening today and you know i for 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 years i've been saying both parties are the same party the democrats are just open about what they do the republicans are the ones managing them and you know for some reason the people don't see it they do not see it because they do not study history they're too busy focusing on or i should say hyper focusing on specific issues that they believe are important or are to be of importance and this is just it's horrific but you know when uh in 2020 i got bashed by a lot of people i am the only one who has an affidavit about the elections that has never been refuted not only that my shit is backed up by things that other people have and and that's the problem we have in today's society if you're not part of their clique you're not allowed to speak because all information is controlled either that be for your air quote benefit or for your demise you must be approved to speak now when i wrote uh the article big data for big league politics back in 2018 uh you know i had pretty much made it clear that your social media platforms are part of the intelligence community and i had also said over the years and through twitter and my radio shows that if they're watching us we're watching them and then I'm also finding myself that I have to defend our president, which doesn't need to be because truth doesn't need defending against people like, you know, that people believe are important. Why? Oh, well, Tracy Beans is with Mr. General Flynn. So, so does that make her automatically a source? The fuck out of here. The fuck out of here. Uh, so-and-so was retweeted and I retweet people that I don't like or don't approve of, but information is information. See, you know what was funny? I got into a fight with Garrett Ziegler about this, you know, when he was over my house and I was giving him the laptop 
that he claims they didn't work afterwards. Okay. Um, but when I was going through it with him, I said, you know, the big guy is, is, is Obama. And we fought. He actually banned people from his chat that said it. <laughs> and now, obviously, it's news that Obama is the 10% big guy. Wait a minute. Listen to this. Because Roger Stone's protege, John Lucre, said it. Not because I, who had the laptop before anybody, except for the FBI. The FBI had it first. Well, and then technically, Isaac had it first, right? But I had it before. Marco Polo got it before Rudy Giuliani got it before, you know, all of them had it. All of them. I published the first emails from Hunter Biden in early 2020. But apparently I'm not allowed to say anything. Right? Because I'm not part of the group or I'm not approved. And I'll tell you why. And it's pretty simple. It's, it's, it's actually quite simple. I do not do loyalty. I do not play games. I am not funded. I am not owned. At all. And, you know, some people will be like, well, you know, she promoted this person and then flipped on him. No, no, no. The minute the person stops saying the truth, the minute the person start playing disinfo, misinfo, well, you know, that's the minute I say no. And so the fifth column is very schnazzy. Very schnazzy. I mean, at the end of the day, you and Ali Akbar pushed by all these people, these great people that are amazing, right? As someone important to follow. And you'll see why this comes into play into Clapper's thing. And people are very also upset. <laughs> I guess the intelligence community is also bifurcated in how they feel about me. Some may have access to state secrets. Others don't. Others can't validate. Others can. Others invalidate, others validate, but that's the key. Confusion. That is how evil wins with confusion. You know, we have people that are, um, you know, uh, trying to enforce their beliefs. We have people that are trying to enforce their perception of things. We have people that ignore those. You are not allowed to ask questions. And the thing is, one should be asking themselves, why is it that I am not allowed to ask questions? Well, because questions are thoughts. See, uh, one misconception from all religious texts is that your actions, you know, are it. I mean, if you kill, You've done the action. Well, actually, if you read it correctly, we all understand that thoughts become things. Thoughts become actions. Every action has a thought behind it. You don't just wake up and say, oh, by the way, gonna throw a tomato out the window from my high rise. No, you don't. There's a thought behind it. The thought is, I'd love to see it splat. I want to throw the tomato to see it splat. So it's called an intention. So your thoughts are you. They're as equal as action. If you were to stand in front of your maker and say, oh, but I was a, a very, you know, good girl. Yeah, but you were thinking of fornicating with 100 men while you were sitting and studying for your math exam. That's not okay. Your intentions. I'm, I'm just trying to point it out. 
what I'm trying to find a better way to say it. Intentions, but intentions are also seen in symbology, right? Symbolism is always people's downfall. Now, uh, I'd like to take you on a little trip uh, as a linguist to um, historical, spiritual, mathematical, and philosophical perspectives of the origin, use, and applications of certain letters. Let's start with the letter T. The letter T has a historical origin dating back to the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs and the Phoenician alphabet. The Phoenician letter Tau represented a cross-like symbol, possibly derived from a pictogram of a cross or a marking used for counting. Now, it evolved into the Greek letter Tau, which also resembles a cross and was used as numeral, like, a, you know how the Roman numerals, right? But it was used to represent the number 300. In Christianity, the cross symbol became central to the religion, and the letter T gained significance as a visual representation of the crucifixion. Now, the spiritual perspective of the letter T is often associated with spiritual symbolism related to sacrifice, transformation, and the divine. The cross, with its horizontal and vertical lines intersecting, represents the union of earthly and spiritual realms. This connection to transcendence and self-sacrifice aligns with uh, spiritual, you know, the spiritual teachings that we see across the world and various cultures. Now, considering I'm a math nerd, in mathematics, T can represent many, many concepts. And I'll just mention a few, including transformation, translation, and transposition. In addition, it can symbolize a variable of unknown quantity, similar to the letter X in equations. In geometry, the letter T can denote T-shaped figure or a line intersecting another at a right angle, reminiscent, again, of the cross shape. Now, from a philosophical perspective, and, you know, maybe I should just run down some examples. The letter T in a from a philosophical perspective, let's say, can be used as a metaphor for ethical decisions. Imagine a decision-making process where the horizontal line represents practical considerations and the vertical line represents ethical consideration. The intersection point signifies a balanced and morally justifiable choice. And that's basically it. From a philosophical perspective, the pr perspective, sorry, I can't even speak today. The letter T, I need more coffee, <laughs> can symbolize the intersection between different ideas and perspective. It literally embodies a notion of balance and equilibrium, you know, centrism. A little bit of left, a little bit of right. We got to sit in the middle and have a nice balanced discussion, right? And in math, you know, uh, for example, the letter T in um, linear algebra can be the transpose of the matrix. Is usually the transpose of the matrix is denoted with the letter T, and that operation usually involves in flipping the matrix along its diagonal axis, which can be interpreted as transformation. That switches rows and columns. Now, I want to talk about another letter, the letter X. See, we always talk about alpha and omega, but we never talk about X and T. Alpha and omega are key parts to many things. Oh, by the way, Rumble's working now, guys. Just wanted to let you know. Um, 
But X and T are significant in of themselves. And I will take the bold move and say that they complement each other. One cannot exist without the other. So before I get into that, I wanted to share a fun video of why the letter X is considered unknown. And um, as you watch this video, I will come back and explain to you the perspectives from philosophical, spiritual, mathematical, technical of the letter X. And then you will see how X and T are very important. So let's take a look at this video together. Um, this is actually quite a fascinating, this is Terry Moore. Um, this is quite a fascinating discussion. And let me change the background because it's like super busy. Yeah, one man band here, guys. All right, let's get it on. All right, let's go. Let's take a listen to what this gentleman has to tell you. It's actually quite humorous. Question that we've all asked. The question is, why is it that the letter X represents the unknown? Now, I, I know we learned that in math class, but now it's everywhere in the culture. The X Prize, the X Files, Project X, TEDx. Where'd that come from? About six years ago, I decided that I would learn Arabic, which turns out to be a supremely logical language. To write a word or a phrase or a sentence in Arabic is like crafting an equation because every part is extremely precise and carries a lot of information. That's one of the reasons so much of what we've come to think of as Western science and mathematics and engineering was really worked out in the first few centuries of the Common Era by the Persians and the Arabs and the Turks. Uh, this includes the little system in Arabic called Aljabra, and Aljabra roughly translates to the system for reconciling disparate parts. Aljabra finally came into English as algebra, one example among many. The Arabic texts containing this mathematical wisdom finally made their way to Europe, which is to say Spain, in the 11th and 12th century. And when they arrived, there was tremendous interest in translating this wisdom into a European language. But there were problems. One problem is there, there are some sounds in Arabic that just don't make it through a European voice box without lots of practice. Trust me on that one. Also, those very sounds tend not to be represented by the characters that are available in European languages. Here's one of the culprits. This is the letter sheen, and it makes the sound we think of as sh, sh. It's also the very first letter of the word sheon, which means something, just like the English word something, some undefined, unknown thing. Now, in Arabic, we can make this definite by adding the definite article al. So this is al-she'un, the unknown thing. And this is a word that appears throughout early mathematics, such as this 10th century derivation of proofs. The problem for the medieval Spanish scholars who were tasked with translating this material is that the letter sheen and the word she'un can't be rendered into Spanish because Spanish doesn't have that sh, that sh sound. 
So by convention, they created a rule in which they borrowed the CK sound, the K sound, from the classical Greek in the form of the letter chi. Later, when this material was translated into a common European language, which is to say Latin, they simply replaced the Greek chi with the Latin X. And once that happened, once this material was in Latin, it formed the basis for mathematics textbooks for almost 600 years. But now we have the answer to our question. Why is it that X is the unknown? X is the unknown because you can't say shh in Spanish. <laughs> so that was the punchline. You can't say shh in, in Spanish. But one thing we understand is that everything has a meaning. The letter X has a rich historical lineage. It actually originated, well, they say that it originated from the Greek letter he, not chi, he, which is used as an initial for the word of Christos. This is why it's called Christmas Xmas, um, and it means Christ. Early Christian used that symbol to signify their faith, making it an important emblem in uh, religious context. The use of X to represent an unknown or unspecified quantity can be traced back to medieval times when land scribes were employed, uh, where they employed the letter to replace unknown variables in mathematical equations, or like the guy said, <laughs> to put placeholders. Now, in addition to its Christians, in, in addition to the Christian connotation, X has been employed in other spiritual contexts. In some belief systems, X is associated with the transformation and change, almost like T. The crossing of the lines can symbolize the intersection of physical and spiritual realms, whereas T, as we previously stated, is the intersection, but at balance, without crossing, but finding that good balance. This notion of crossing also has connections with boundaries, indicating a bridge between different states of being. Like, for example, in a spiritual context, in some spiritual traditions, the concepts of crossroads is important. Here, X can represent the intersection of paths, choices, decisions, highlighting the significant impact when you make pivotal life choices. From a mathematical perspective, X is obviously widely recognized as a symbol of um, multiplication in mathematics. I guess only in the U.S. I mean, sometimes we, we see it in other countries, but they usually just use a dot or just write the numbers in parentheses next to each other. But, you know, we're a little bit extra here. We even made feet and inches and pounds, so whatever. But the usage of the letter X evolved from, again, the practice of medieval scholars who used X to denote something unknown or a quantity. And over time, it became synonymous with multiplication due to its cross lines, signifying combining of quantities. And in algebraic equations, X serves as a variable representing unknown values, which mathematicians, you know, try to find like. 3x plus 1, unsolved, till today. And in the equation 2x equals 10, x represents the unknown quantity, right? And needs to be solved by isolating x, mathematics, mathematicians, and it can determine that the value of x is 5. Therefore, illustrating to you right now how important the letter X, which usually I would put, you could put a happy smile, you could put an omega, you can make your unknown any letter you want, but it's been used as X. 
But you know, from a philosophical standpoint, right? X can be seen as a symbol of ambiguity and exploration or the point where kind of like I said, a year on August 7th, 2022, I said X marks the spot. <laughs> and it was then when X has officially become X.com. Twitter has become X.com. Right. But, you know, again, I just guessed that because I'm a grifter. I don't know what I'm talking about. But, you know, I seem to have this uncanny ability to say things that are very accurate. Now, in, in a way of a philosophical perspective, let's go. Considering that X represents an unknown quantity, it can reflect the philosophical quest for knowledge and understanding. This letter, uh, you know, can be interpreted as a representation of the enigmatic nature of reality, as it often stands in for something yet to be uncovered or comprehended. Or it could just be the starting point. See, the term X factor is used to describe an unpredictable or unknown element that has a significant impact on a situation. This concept reflects the philosophical idea that there are hidden or unexplored factors that influence events in ways that are not immediately apparent. Now, I don't know if you all know, but Malcolm X, he uh, used, he changed his last name to an X because, you know, he didn't know where he came from in Africa, so he wanted his last name to be unknown. Right? Now, the relationship between X and T, I don't think anyone's actually delved into it, but um, Anything that ends, ends with a T, terminus, t, 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 T. And I want people to go back in time without me having to state and see how X and T played a role at the beginning of a new era at zero, at one AD. Generation X, unknown, unknown to see how they will, being the first generation of the new era, transitional period, transition, transitional period, right? That's where it began. Gen Xers are the first lot of the transitional period where they're not fully on board with what they wanted and not on board with what the boomers wanted. They're kind of in the middle. They're in that transition phase and they were the experiment. This is why they're so rough around the edges. You know, there were people that had phones attached to the wall, black and white, walking up, no remote controls, suddenly there's remote controls, no computers, suddenly computers, no phones, suddenly phone, no cell phones, suddenly cell phones, right? No video games, suddenly video games, no portable TV, suddenly portable TVs, come on. Adaptable, like water. And did you also know that um, X was also the symbol for fish in Christianity at some point? So T and X are always coupled together at the end of big, of an era and at the beginning. Depending on how it begins, either with a Tao or a He, is how it goes forward. So I thought I would just drop that in there, just kind of, you know, words have meanings, right? And so do letters. Like words, for example, let me, let me give you something to ponder on so you understand where I'm going with this from a linguistic perspective. Many people, it's called spelling for a reason, but I digress. Right now, I think I feel like a broken record. For years, I've been saying they're changing definitions. They're changing the way we speak. So now we don't say someone took their life. We say they unalive themselves, right? <laughs> That's like a new thing. But here's a weird part. Homeless, 
We all know that word homeless, meaning you don't have a home. They have changed that term too. And I'll tell you why these changes are happening and what their justification is. So they've changed the term homeless to unhoused. That to you, and I want you to see it, is an actual conscious effort to reframe language used to describe individuals without permanent place to live. Almost like you're an unhoused citizen. You might have to wait in line. Please wait here. We will provide you housing when it is appropriate. Once you've been assigned your new work position. Remember that. This change is rooted in the belief that the language shapes perceptions and attitudes. Correct. You are an unhoused citizen. And altering terminology can contribute to a more empathetic and respectful discourse. You are an unhoused citizen. Now we have unhoused citizens and house citizens. You will own nothing and love it, and we will house you. Get it? The term unhoused focuses on the absence of a physical dwelling, rather than defining the individuals solely by their lack of home. This shift in language leads to more uh, a respectful portrayal of people facing housing insecurity. That makes the people that have houses not feel so bad that some people are unhoused, right? It highlights a temporary condition that they are experiencing rather than their identity being solely tied to their homelessness, right? Instead of them saying the homeless population, those who are unhoused, please present yourselves. Reducing stigmatization is another key as to why we change words. Let's take the example of homeless. The term homeless can carry a negative connotation, of course, and contribute to the stigma and stereotyping. By using unhoused, the focus is on the lack of housing rather than implying that the individual's identity is defined by their housing status, right? All unhoused citizens, please file your paperwork by the deadline. Sounds a lot better than, hey, all you homeless hobos, fill it out. Or all you <laughs> non-conformers, fill it out. It's minor conditioning. That's basically it. Has anyone, oh, you know, I'll do a show on the Saber-Whorf hypothesis. Because that's important. We need to do that. Because one might say, he's currently unhoused, right? And sounds, ooh. But it, but, 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 but this theory, and I studied it very, very well, uh, you know, in my late teens, it suggests, well, it was another theory that then led me to them in, in the 2000s, but you know, same thing, you know, no one reinvents theories. They just take it. That's what geniuses do. They take what has been done and make it better. So they, their hypothesis is that, uh, you know, you suggest that language influences the way individuals perceive and think about the world. So true. By shifting the word homeless to unhoused, the goal is to reshape mental associations and encourage more compassionate and open-minded perspective, which is fact. See, which is fact. That is how they operate. People need to be paying attention to language. It's, it's, it's very, very important. Extremely important. So I'll do a show on the uh, Sapir-Whorf hypothesis where I can actually compare and contrast the words that we've been using. You know how they, they've changed words. Like I said, now we use unalived or, or what is it? Um, 
uh, aided, and we don't call it aided unaliveness. What do we call it? Uh, termination. God knows. They change it all the time. What works? What works? Pro-life, pro-choice, right? Pro-pro, right? Think. And I think it was Gandhi that said it best. You know, if you go in with anti-war, you will have negative connotations when going in. So anyway, I'll, I'll do a show just on that at some point. Now, focusing on structural issues is another reason that words change, right? So let's say the change to unhoused directs the attention to the systemic and structural factors contributing to homelessness. Like, your city is looking to house its citizens, those that are unhoused. Please fill in your paperwork. See, that sounds better. And hey, all you homeless people, city needs to put you up. Just get in line. Sounds a little bit more structured and institutionalized, if you catch my drift. So it encourages discussions about affordable or free housing, social policies, economic equality, <laughs> inequality, sorry, et cetera, et cetera. But it, a language is a method of empowerment. So the term unhoused acknowledges individuals without homes are not passive recipients of their circumstances, but actively navigating a challenging situation. Like bend the knee and you may have a home. It seems here that your social credit score does not qualify you to be housed. You will remain in unhoused status until further notice. See, sounds better, right? Words matter. Oh boy, they do. So having said that, I thought I would kind of give you guys part two of my um, James Clapper video. Please don't forget, um, I have put out on most of my social media um, a call to action, and here we are. I would like all of you, if you can, to write a letter to Suella Braverman at the House of Commons or email her or phone her or go to her website or tweet her or, uh, what do you say, post to her? through X, to not permit the extradition of Julian Assange. Her contact information is on the screen. For those of you that are listening to this as a podcast version, I'm pretty sure the archivist will not uh, be posting the, um, the documentary part two part uh, data dump. So... Uh, for those of you that are listening, please uh, head off to one of my um, social media platforms and take a look. Now, before we start, I wanted to say something and play something, actually. So I got a lot of heat a few days ago. Well, I didn't get a lot of heat because it's not information that I, sh I was privy to, right? I <laughs> This is without you know, causing myself to be in a box. This is better that I say this. I was made aware that a few influencers that say, well, you, I, I, that I posted misinformation by talking about Dr. Jan Halver Hayes. Obviously they had to eat crow because, you know, the rule of thumb is when something happens, you sit on it and watch it, right? You don't respond, right? And so I get, I get extremely irate when I see messages like that fly by, but it was lovely to see them eat crow. Happens all the time. So that's one. But the thing is, everything that Dr. Jan Halper says is what most 
people that are actually part of the intelligence community have been telling all of the people of the United States. I deal with a lot of people asking, well, Trump pushed the vaccine. And it's like, all right, well, so what happened to your free will? Does he tell you what to do? If he says jump, do you jump? But do you say how high? Hmm? You're putting shit in your body. Aren't you going to ask questions? But I was going to lose my job. So your job was more important than your health. Okay. You made that decision. No one made it for you. But he hired all these bad people. Yeah, that's, there's a reason for that. You hang out with assholes so you can expose them and you shower them with love and you embrace them and you give them a good fertile soil and you tell them you don't have to be bad. We love your qualities. Please try to be better. You have some talent there. Do good because when you do good, your karma may be paid. Come here, my love. I've done it. My audience has witnessed that. You let people pull their own pants down. People can make decisions no matter, you know, I'm a person that has said this so many times. I am, I feel like I'm not worthy as a person for the things that I did. I excused my absence from my home with work. I excused the death and destruction of nations with, it's for the greater good. It's to advance the agenda of my nation and ensure that the people of the United States are safe. So by rigging other nations' elections, and I pose this question to you, is I'll, I'll be at Mike Lindell's event representing Ohio, and I will bring this up, and I will have a nice, you know, three-minute video for all people to watch. But think of it this way. If the people that run your country are capable, and you know this for a fact, with documented evidence that they are rigging elections in other countries. 2014 Ukraine, that was my, my bitch right there, okay? So if we're doing it to other countries, why is it that you cannot fathom that the nation that lied to you about weapons of mass destruction, the nation that lied to you about 9-11, the nation that gave you Tkitsi, Milgrams, you name it, experiments that has lied to you, that has taken your gold back currency, that has sold you monopoly money, that has enriched themselves. Why does it, seem odd to say, oh yeah, they're rigging elections here too. No, 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 no. <laughs> they only rig them outside of this country. That's okay. See, morals, right? That's the thing. Morals. Where's your moral floor? Where are you willing to go? Where are you willing to go? And that's the thing. I had a choice. You know, I, I, you know, I got caught because I stood up for General Flynn and because, I don't know, I don't really think they knew that I'm the one that gave Michelle Bachman the AI drones, right? I don't think they knew that, right? I, and that's something that I did. And I got in a lot of trouble for that. A lot of trouble. A lot. See, because when I, when I noticed that they were, well, actually in 2005 is where I started to really pay attention. You know, after having a baby and being fresh, you know, just having, you know, I had my baby and three weeks later I was off the coast of Turkey on a fucking boat with John Brennan. Yes. Yes. 
my family took the back seat all my life because I was serving my country. You know, not service for yourself, service for your country, blah, blah, blah. Right. But it's a little bit different when you do things like that. But anyway, I was a new mom, right, for the second time. And um, that's when I started collecting. That's when I started to pay attention. I was like, all right, I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to leak where I can. You know, I, I had Andy Breitbart. You know, when people use his name, I get so upset. I'm like, I was a source for like forever and a day. Stop. Just stop. But um, at some point, you realize that your life, the value of your life, isn't how many breaths you take. It's how many breaths that you took count and what you do. It's not about going to the factory to work. It's not about, you know, opening your shop or making cupcakes. It's not about your white picket fence house with your 2.5 kids and your dog. It's about what you did to make the soil more fertile for the next generation. And it's it it's it's literally what survivalism is of a species at, at the at the foundation but it is also how we become better and so you know the value of your life shouldn't be on how many breaths or how much money you have because you ain't taking that shit with you fyi right you're not taking that with you at all right you're not taking it with you it's not about your money your academia, and your status. Because I'll tell you what, the most unsung heroes that really made a mark were the people that were giving Harriet Tubman shoes and water on her little underground railroad trail. You never hear about them, right? You never hear about them ever. You don't hear about them baking bread and, 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 and feeding them on the way. You don't hear about the people that saw them with tattered shoes and gave them the shoes. Without those heroes, the hero that is being sung as Harriet Tubman would not exist. And so therefore, here is, you know, a pretty simple statement of to how pissed I am with this whole BS of the clicky oh we're decoding oh we're doing this oh just trust the plan oh i'm the best stop the problem is is that our hero in the story was elected in 2016 and he needs the heroes like you to have the shoes to have the water to have the food if those heroes are sitting on their chair eating fucking popcorn, paying attention to things. Oh, we don't need to do anything because trust the plan. It's game over. And if the heroes of that story are sitting there and they're just listening to what people who are getting paid to tell them are telling them, then that hero doesn't win. Right? He's, he's not your hero. He won't be sung as a hero if the real heroes, which are the support, don't do their part. That is the problem. Rather than sharing stupid memes and reactionary media, why not take action? Oh, but we went and we canvassed. Fuck canvassing. You think canvassing is going to help you? Oh, but it's going to give us an... Shut up. Doesn't help. The whole nation has been 
confused by both the left and the right, and that was done on purpose. But you know, with confusion, there's only one way out, clarity. The fifth column may be smart, but they're not geniuses. And well, our president has a really high IQ, and a lot of his supporters do too. And so, it is important that we actually do things. Now it's a little bit late to the party for the rest of the world and in, in the rest of the sphere of exhausted conservatives to do something. They just want beer, Trump flags, and music. Shut up. That's not how you fix shit. We're just good. Turn up. Shut up. That's not how you fix things. You know how you fix things? By making public record, by sending letters, by demanding accountability, by filing FOIA requests, by holding their feet to the fire. And you shouldn't stick to the Democrats. Focus on your Republicans. You know, the ones that voted to impeach. Oh, but it was part of the plan. Stop. Stop. I do not want to hear that. Stop. Certain things are orchestrated and hindrances are orchestrated and lost battles are orchestrated in order to win the greater war. It is when you trip someone up or you do something that makes you look stupid that they expose themselves. I've been saying this for a long time. People ask me, why do you have this person around you? Because let them think that I'm dumb. I've said so many times, Follow your pens. The pen is your super sword. No one listens. But you know what? I shouldn't say no one. I have the most amazing listener base globally, not in America, right? Only globally, right? My Pakistanis, I'm still waiting for those, you know, flippers of the ISI to give us some Obama stuff, please. I'd appreciate it. Don't want to get locked up because I'm excited. Indians, they're working hard. I know the Germans are too. My Africans, my God, you know, yesterday, I have to tell you, last night, all I did was pray. Pray. What is happening in Africa right now? Because Victoria Newland went there and they totally kicked her out. They said, fuck you. You're not going to see shit. Get out of here. Why are you here? And that's the thing. How many of your conservative voices for the past two weeks have been telling you war is just sparking right now and it's going insane? Probably maybe less than 1%. I know I was. How many of them introduced you to the politics of it so you understand it? So you are aware as a federal taxpayer, because that's what journalists are supposed to do and people that provide information, right? they're supposed to do. They're supposed to educate their audience. That's the whole point of journalism. It's not about sending stupid memes and telling you, oh yeah, you know, I heard from a secret source. Get the fuck out of here. People don't want that. People want to know. So right now we are going to have one of the most bloodiest battles. I pray that God intervenes. And the thing is, these nations... Burkina Faso. We, the United States, destroyed it. It was Barack Hussein Obama's mom, Stanley Ann Dunham, and Peter Strzok Sr. Now that's right, Peter Strzok's daddy, who went in there and destroyed the nation of Upper Volta and created Burkina Faso. Mali, Guinea, and Niger. Oh, remember? 
Yellow uranium, Niger River. They have the most uranium. Think. They removed every global NWO installment in their countries. For the past 24 months, this has been happening. And over a very long time ago, I told my audience, when Africa comes into focus, top point of no return, here we go. Now, this is where we're at. The Nigerians have made a fortune with their Nigerian prince emails. They're rubbing their hands together. Oh, we're going to be the best in Africa. They're going to give us all that European white men money, and we're going to just build. Ah, that's what they're telling me. I'm speaking to Nigerians. Remember, my show isn't here. It's global fucking Lee. Listen to, okay? For all you haters out there, I'm just giving you some more shit to hate on. So think about it. We've got a massive war. Oh, Nilinda, she said that we're withdrawing aid. Fuck your aid. Putin's already said, I'm going to feed you guys. You're good. But then that's helping Putin's agenda. No, it's actually not. But kind of is. Don't forget these people have massive amounts of uranium, gold, and oil. See. And guess who are the UN peacekeepers there? I'll wait. I want to see the chat of who, what country do you think is wearing the blue helmets in Africa right now where all this shit is going down? Huh? Let's see how astute and aware you are of your global politics and what the fuck we're doing there. Can you guys pay attention? I'll answer that question. I want to see it. There we go. That's what's up. When did you ever hear that the UN wants to make China? UN peacekeepers, China, 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 China with blue helmets, China. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's because <laughs> every other nation would be exited, exited completely, exited completely. So having said that, that it's China, 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 who, who, who obviously owns the UN system, UN system. So uh, China is UN system. No, and that's where disease X is coming, coming from the letter X. Tell you what, this is the end of an era and we are entering into a new one. And as come the termination, come the crossroads of going forward, pay attention. Symbology never changes throughout time. All you have to do is look at history book. Oh, that sounds a little woo. No, it's mathematical precision. As someone who calls herself an amateur mathematician, uh, should have been a bona fide one, right? Because I'm a lot better than most of these idiots that are sitting in, in places philosophizing. <laughs> Math is the universal language. It speaks like no other. And math is represented by letters. So allow that to percolate. Now let's watch this video that people got really upset about uh, that says the things that I've been saying for years and people have been upset about. You know, I am the grifter, but I'm always accurate. I'm, uh, my affidavit is the only one that's standing. Everybody else is, is not. Right? I'm just pointing that out. Let's listen to what she has to say. It's pretty interesting. Who's a U.S. political analyst here in the studio? Good to see you, as always. Good to see you. Um, there's so many people putting this down as a political conspiracy theory, but actually, there are real questions to be answered here. There are. Yeah, of course there are. Of course there are. What he's being accused of 
But what part do you think is to answer that the 2020 election is going to be re-litigated because of this? They've made a huge, huge mistake with this one. Because even though we thought what was going to happen was they were going to go after him for treason or sedition, but they did criminally charge him, but they didn't go to that extreme. As a result, he has due process, so he can subpoena people and bring things in. Now, let me say something about this 2020 election, is that Biden is the legitimate president, but he's the legitimate president of what is now the bankrupt U.S. corporation. And that was a treaty in 1871. Well, on September 12, 2018, Trump created an executive order. Within that, he outlined in future elections any kind of foreign or domestic interference, specifically for the 2020 election. So we say, how did he know some of these things were going to happen? Election integrity on both sides of the aisle is tough. It's really tough. But what this has done is it's opened the door for Trump to present his case. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Because, I mean, because the, I mean, what we see on this side of the pond is a very difficult situation where the legal system is politicized in the United States, which is abhorrent to us over right. here. So the fact that Trump can subpoena, some people saying it's a mistake by Jack Smith, but actually he can subpoena, we, you, people can actually see Evidence from both right. sides. That's a sensible yes, move. Exactly. And, and it's a great mistake by Jack Smith that he's done that. Absolutely great. See, the thing is, think about um, uh, Edward Snowden and all the information he had. Think about the fact that our military, our Department of Defense Space Force, <clears throat> if you think that they don't have the actual real results from the election, then you're fooling yourself. Yeah, but what we what we do know with this is there are we're told <clears throat> uh, uh, that there are plenty of notes from people, including Vice President um, Pence, that there are some recordings of, of Donald Trump acknowledging that actually what he said in public was nonsense. That some of these states, whether he claimed he was in, out saying it's, I mean, look, Detroit, it's corrupt, it's all corrupt, the results are corrupt. And that when in reality he knew it wasn't, that's illegal. But you know what? That's what someone's claiming, but that's not the fact, and that's not what Donald Trump really has ever said. He's been very, very clear. I mean, the issues were, for example, in Pennsylvania, the Supreme Court of the state of Pennsylvania stepped in and changed some of the election laws. Under our Constitution, it's only the state legislators that can do that. 2,000 Mules, the film that came out, what they did, they spent over $4 million tracking the phones. And the reason it's only 2,000 Mules is that based on the visits to the drop boxes in Georgia, they had to have gone over 10 times. And they've got all the film for that. So the thing is, that, um, the election in Integrity is so different and so problematic in every single state, every single state. But that doesn't mean that the machines didn't do something, that there were some other kind of finagling, but the long and short... Go ahead. 
Well, it, it doesn't, but that's, that's where conspiracy comes in, is it? To say, well, it doesn't mean that something didn't happen. Well, there's no evidence that it happened. I mean, well, there's how many, how many court cases did the Trump campaign try to bring? There's, nothing's gone in his favor. Okay, wait a minute. Everyone, the media goes, oh, there were 60, 60 court cases that were rejected. No, there were three. He won two, he lost one, 57 were never heard because they had no standing. And standing means that the person bringing the case has to claim some kind of impact or injury. So it's really, you know, the media did that and they're great at doing that, but it, it was a fallacy in there. And the thing is that, um, you know, you know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense and the thing is, they've got the goods. They've got the goods. And Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war that he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the sense that we're getting from Trump's lawyer about what his defense is going to be. So he, this is all going to be based on free speech, the First Amendment in the U.S. Constitution, that he had a right to say what he believed, and mm -hmm. he believed uh, that the election results were not uh, as was put out. But the point is, if you live in a democracy and you believe in a democracy, then that means that even if you don't like the outcome of an election, you respect that because it's a democratic vote. Well, a, a democratic vote, and so therefore he should be silent about it. No, he, has a, he has a right to speak, but the issue, of course, is if he then acts to subvert that election result. Oh, so that because you think he's being criticized because in Georgia he said, can you find me 12,000 votes? Or, um, you know, the thing is, he didn't try to subvert anything. What he's really done is he set up the deep state to come out, and that's why we're seeing all these things. I mean, it just it was revealed with whistleblowers and um, Hunter Biden's ex-best friend that in 2015, um, the head of Burisma gave Joe and Hunter Biden 10 million bribe. In 2018, Hunter is, I mean, uh, Joe is on TV publicly saying that he threatened that unless they got the prosecutor fired, that um, he wasn't going to let them have their one billion in support. In 2019, Trump calls Zelensky to find out about what went on to get the prosecutor fired, and he gets impeached. Mm. I mean, that's... We've lived with it for a long time. We're almost out of time. I just, oh. want, I just want to pick you up on one thing. You said earlier on, you know, um, Donald Trump has been very clear on this. Is he a man that you believe? I mean, look, he's about as believable as a chocolate teapot, isn't he? Look, I know that, oh, thank God you got the negativity in at the end and not the beginning. <laughs> I can always count on you for that. Always. Um, but it's a legitimate point to say that Donald Trump is a man who always speaks the truth. That can't be the case. I mean, it's hardly the case of any leader, to be fair, but, I mean, definitely not Donald Trump. Well, I don't know if I said everything or always, because I do call him the embellisher-in-chief, because he's mm. a marketer. Um, but in terms of telling us things, 
optics, you better believe that he's very much a straight shooter in terms of actions that he's going to take or what he thinks needs to be done. You know, they made fun of him because they assumed he broke protocol and walked in front of the queen. No, if you go back and look at it, you will see he looked at her. She gave a wave with her hand. He proceeded. She took a couple of steps. He stopped and he waited for her to join. That was an optic to tell us that he then was going to bankrupt the U.S. corporation because it was the Vatican, the crown, and the U.S. that was part since 1871. And we were giving you our tax dollars. We were paying back. You know, we, forget this Tea Party and without taxation, without representation. We owed you a lot of money because you helped us in the Civil War. And so that is what Trump has now, he told the Queen, I'm ending this. We're dissolving this corporation. We're going to go back to being a republic and we'll all be separate. The Pope wasn't happy. You should find the picture of him visiting the Pope. It took 650 planes to remove our gold from the Vatican Bank. I'm not very happy about it, Jan, to be perfectly honest. We could do with your money at the minute. Keep it, <laughs> keep it flowing, I say. Um, Jan Halberhage, really good to see you. This goes back to the lessons that I've been doing about who the richest people on the planet are and how much they own. But, you know, I'm just a grifter. See, those that have been paying attention and have been actually looking for real information have understood that. And one thing she said is, you can't, like the guy said, well, if it's a democratic process and, you know, the vote comes out and you don't like it, you should accept it. Correct. But we don't have votes that are right. And now I'm going to say something. This is kind of breaking, right? I'm going to give you guys a name of someone that I work with on the 2014 elections in Ukraine. And this name is a name you've probably maybe heard or not heard. So as you know, I'm putting together my J6 docu, but I've also traced money from you know, uh, how they're funneling it to Ukraine. And, you know, obviously I am sitting on it and I wanted to publish it, but because I need to see all of the moving parts, I haven't put it out. Right. So here's a name, Natalia Yaresko. Look at Puerto Rico in 2017. Natalia Jaresko. G-A-R-E-S-K-O. Look her up. She was the person that I aided in submitting names of people that would help us observe the elections in 2014 in Ukraine. And if people actually paid attention and read my affidavit before dismissing, they would see that in Ukraine, the elections were paused in the middle of the night because I don't know. Hacking, right? Yeah, what, what is it that John Brennan said? Who knows? Natalia Jaresko was actually the finance minister of Ukraine during the elections. She also set up a fund that the United States has been giving your federal tax dollars to for over a decade to Ukraine through this fund. There's fund one, two, three, four, five. I've got the receipts. Oh, and get this, this Ukrainian finance minister, pay attention, was then the finance person 
in Puerto Rico when they were telling the world that Trump didn't give them money, right? What? How is a Ukrainian? Oh, wait, you should listen to her speak when she was in Ukraine. Sounds Ukrainian. But when she's testifying in court, or it's not court in like Puerto Rico's governor, Senate bullshit, she sounds super Hispanic. Then you're just like, wait a minute, what's going on here? Are we being punk? No. She's another person like me that doesn't exist. Only she's Newland's little bitch. So Natalia Yaresco, known also as Natalia Ivaniva Yaresco. Shit. Also part of the Atlantic Council. Also the one speaking at WEF. Also the one speaking at WHO. Also the one speaking at UN. But you know what? You guys follow the fucking stars and don't pay attention. See, like I said, the fourth and elected branch of government. Isn't Comey? Because you see him. Isn't Clapper? Because you see him. They're just the heads. They're the ones taking the hit. Right? Do you remember when I did this whole show on the Aspen Institute and how they all met and how I told you that Rod Rosenstein had met with Adam Schiff there? Huh? Like a fly on a wall. How about the Munich conference in 2019, February 2019? I also played that voicemail of Hunter Biden's where his dad was like, oh, I'm leaving to meet with Hillary right before that meeting. See, as I've always said, we have everything. I think just give it to us. Well, like Jan said, and Dr. Hayes is pretty smart. People are just fucking stupid because you all are. Excuse my French. And I'm calling every single one of you that can hear my voice. You were washing fruit. You had no idea what was going on. You hated Trump for pushing the vaccine. You didn't like it because he didn't remove them. He didn't move fast enough for you. But the thing is, it doesn't matter what you like. It's the hundreds of thousands and hundred million Americans that would walk off that cliff. Not the handful of irreversibles. So sometimes you don't say things, not because you don't want to, but you want other people to figure it out. That's how learning happens. See, you can open up your mouth uh, and keep it open and people just feed you information. How much of it are you going to grasp? It's like eating food. If you didn't work to make that food, you can't taste the truffle. It just tastes kind of like a thing on the cheese. If you didn't slice that meat, you don't know how juicy it is because you didn't see it run when you made that cut. Learning is not supposed to be linear, and that's exactly uh, what the Industrial Revolution actually did with the First World War is institutionalize and, and make it linear. That's not how you learn. What you need to do is learn a topic, jump to the other topic, jump to another topic, and then have the lesson that merges them all. And so now the United States of America, the populace of the United States of America has been undergoing exactly that learning because the problem that we have is that we're doomed to repeat history only because we don't understand it or know it well enough. We just know what they tell us. You know, I was, I was listening, uh, over the weekend to Roseanne Barr's podcast with, uh, Blair White, who my heart goes out to Blair White. Because while you listen, ha ha, he he, I, there's an undertone of so much pain and I uh, simply adore that soul. The struggle that they go through, I mean, I don't know if I could bear that cross. But the interesting thing that was stated was that, um, you know, 
She said, I, I don't think I believe in dinosaurs. And it's like, what do you mean you don't believe? You don't believe? Did you not go to the museum? Did you? No, because I wasn't there. So I don't know. But and there's a bunch of archaeologists and people that have discovered old bones that will tell you, no, nah, man, we found them. Like, we dug them. It doesn't matter. I wasn't there. Was not there. So again, how do you know what's happening? Were you there? Were you there? Absolutely not. So then why do you speak? See, and this is the going theme that we see from our influencers. Uh, let me show you about issue one. And I want just to give you the six minutes so you can see this little video that I made. For those of you in Ohio that have not voted yet, I'm going to vote uh, later today because I only vote same day. Pay attention carefully to what it tells you. If you just listen to the ads. To protect our rights, keep this madness out of Ohio. Abortion. Ohio's extreme abortion ban. Parental rights. Protect her. Now's your chance. Even your voice as a voter. All are at risk on August 8th in a special election to decide. Issue 1. What's true? What's really at stake? Find out now as we get the answers from the people on both sides who say they're trying to protect Ohio's future. These are things that we need to remedy going forward. We should be able to remove them without jumping through hoops. They're like the fourth unelected branch of government. You can't remove them unless there's a process. At this time right now, even in my state, the Secretary of State of Ohio is trying to pass a constitutional amendment to disallow changes to the election systems that the WEF has so nicely given to him. Yeah. Now this, this is where we need to be. This is what we need to be focusing on. We can't fire these people. We can't remove these. I wanted to do a little bit of a walkthrough. You see Anthony Gonzalez right there? Here's where my point was. That clown was elected by the people of Ohio, right? He was elected by the people of Ohio. He ran and said, I am for Trump, pro-Trump, Trump, Trump, Trump. And his agenda is perfect. And I agree with him in everything. And he raised a shit ton of money and won. Guess what he did? He was one of the first people after he swore in to impeach President Trump. And as a former footballer, we can say he really dropped the ball on that. So I started looking into our Constitution in Ohio, which, by the way, the Ohio Constitution states that no one can force you to wear masks or do any medical stuff, but nobody used that. They all ignored that. The courts dismissed the Ohio State Constitution, but that's coming to the forefront soon. Digress. How do we remove this guy who deceived the people to raise money and take their vote? Hmm? You can't. See, he's got to be in office for so long, according to the Ohio State laws and Constitution. And then after that, you need to collect signatures. Now, according to this new law thing, right, that they're pushing, that all these, ooh, I want to say bad words. Ooh, I want to say bad words. But I'm going to say paid placement. Those people that got a shit ton of money to rally the Catholics, which, by the way, by the way, the FBI has labeled the Catholics or whatever 
uh, terrorist, domestic terrorist. Now I'm going to make a statement that you, many of you, will not like. The new summer of love is coming through the churches, and the Catholics are leading the way. They're not wrong. We're in the fucking Zoom calls, watching them. So, having said that, how do we remove this guy now? Well, according to the idiots that are so massively following leaders, oh, yeah, they love us. They're all pro-freedom and save the children. <laughs> if you want to remove this idiot, first of all, you can't change the law anymore. Secondly, you're going to need 60%. And you're going to have to make sure that you get signatures from every single county. And if one county that has like five people in it decide they don't want to, guess what? He's staying. It's a lot easier for them to pay it off to make sure that shit stops where they want it to stop of those who are in control, of course. So what they're telling you, as you can see, is we need to take the we need to take your rights to make sure other Americans don't have rights either, because that's democratic. And we believe in, you know, fairness and America. Right. That sounds legit. Right. Let's be like the left. Let's start ballot harvesting just like the left did, right? Let's take away their rights, but we're giving away ours today to take theirs away. This is how stupid it is. This is how dumb it is. This is how stupid America is. Now you see why President Trump had to let it happen. He's like, look, let the stupid people do what they do. I can't help everybody. I give them what I can. And that's it. I give him what I can. You see, you see that face? That's the guy. Millions. Millions. And yet all these people went to the, what is it, the rosary thing. Oh, we need to quickly pass this referendum to stop the abortion bill. The fuck you do. Here's the thing. As you'll see in this video, that abortion bill is not even affected by this referendum. That's how stupid people are. Stupid, stupid, stupid. You don't like me saying it? Stupid, stupid. You don't like it? I'm going to say it again. Stupid. And let me tell you something. When you play stupid games, you get fucking stupid prizes. Now, Ohio sets a tone for the rest of the nation. This goes through. Our nation is going to look real different. Cities in the country, anyone? And you can think the people that told you to forfeit your rights to, you know, we should do it. All the other states are raising the bar. We should do it. We should give these selected officials more power because that's the right thing to do, of course. These people at all. And yet we're sitting here talking about garbage like selling socks in, in gold and silver and Nasara Jasara and you know, rabbit holes that do nothing. It's an election that will decide the future of the Ohio Constitution, and it is happening in two weeks. Under current law, once petition signatures are submitted, county boards of elections across the state verify them to make sure organizers have gathered the required number of signatures. If a group falls short, they have 10 days to collect more signatures. Issue one would eliminate that second chance, giving groups one opportunity to meet the signature requirement. Issue one would increase that threshold to 60% for any constitutional amendment. 
Their proposal for all 88 counties is the most extreme in the nation. No state does that. They would empower any one small county to exercise a veto authority over what 99.9% .9 of the rest of Ohioans in 87 counties would like a chance to vote on. An 88 county requirement is specifically intended to put a bullet through the head of the initiative process in Ohio, period. The right to citizen-led initiatives with a simple majority uh, has been a crown jewel of rights that Ohioans have had since 1912. And let's be clear, issue one simply takes power away from voters and it gives more power to the politicians. And that's it. And I don't think that Ohio voters will be deceived by this. All right, so let me step in. So Frank LaRose, your uh, Republican candidate, who's very stupid, by the way, he was a legislator. Do you know what he did at his time as a legislator, right? State legislator. His dad owns one of the biggest, he's not a humble fucking farmer. His dad owns House LaRose. That's one of the biggest alcohol distributors in the Midwest, House LaRose. And a lot of his stuff were actually on the train derailment that were miraculously not toppled over. You know, the alcohol, remember, down in Ohio? But anyway, so Jobs Ohio stands for Ohio Beverage Services. Yes, Ohio, but we have the documents. That's what it says. And while he was a state legislator, in state legislature, right, he helped his dad create this private nonprofit now called Jobs Ohio, which stands for Ohio Beverage Services. And they're partners with the World Economic Forum. You can go on the World Economic Forum website and look up Jobs Ohio. It's there. Not only that, La Rosa said Trump is a spent card. We don't like Trump. We don't do this. We don't like that. Right. He dogs on. There's audio of him talking mad shit. On Trump. Oh, did I mention that he went to observe the Ukrainian elections too? That's so weird, right? So weird. But he's on your side, of course. My federal suit will show you how he's not on the side of the people. And it wasn't about me. See, people are so dumb. And I'm going to say it. I, I want to do a show that's called, let me tell you how stupid people are. And all I'm going to be saying is everyone's fucking stupid because they don't pay attention. And they think they know, but they don't. Oh, World Economic Forum. Do you know what that is? What about the World Food Program? Do you know what that is? Yeah. That has nothing to do with the, well, it does, but it isn't. It's completely funded by your federal tax dollars out of the foreign office of the State Department. A shit ton of money going through USAID, which I have been saying consistently from the beginning, we need to rein in USAID. It is the biggest washing machine we have. But anyway, I digress. I digress. I digress. So he goes and observes elections in Ukraine. <laughs> but he's a Green Beret, so trust him. Jesus. Oh, forgive us, Lord. Forgive me for being so agitated because I can see the writing on the wall. All these people selling you out for ideas and money, money, money makes the world go round that they would sit there and take that position to tell you, you must forfeit your rights in elections that you don't even control yet to save you from the Democrats. And the Democrats, they get all this outside funding. Wait, watch how the Republicans are working now. 
this. This is quite simply about protecting the Ohio Constitution, about what may be to come. Special interest groups have figured out that Ohio is a relatively easy mark when it comes to amending our Constitution. They figured out that if you're willing to spend a few million dollars and run some deceitful ads, you may be able to get an extreme amendment put into our state constitution. Mr. Gonadakis. You mean like he did? Because all the money funding this is coming from outside. How do you think they paid for all those fuckers in Cincinnati telling you to vote yes? Wait, here's the proof. According to published reports, the Vote Yes campaign received at least one and a half million dollars in outside funding, while the campaign warns voters about outside influence. How do you explain that? Hey, look, if we want to stop outside special interests, whether it be an Illinois billionaire, a liberal California billionaire, a liberal New York City billionaire, you vote yes on issue one on August 8th. We are Buckeyes. We determine what should be or not be in our Constitution. That's why we can take the for sale sign off our state Constitution by voting yes on issue one. How do you react to his explanation for that? Well, the hypocrisy has no bounds, Colleen. Uh, it's hard to keep up with the flip flops. You know, first, uh, August special elections are bad. Now they're OK. At first, uh, it wasn't OK and he wasn't going to support it. The signature threshold increased and now he's fine with that. Uh, at first, this is absolutely not about abortions, and now this is 100% about abortions. Uh, he and not only that, don't forget that at the Ohio Supreme Court, it was ruled that Frank LaRose acted with complete disregard for the law. That's coming in the federal court. Remember, everything that I do, there's a method to my madness, and a lot of people don't see it because I can't expect really stupid people that think that they know shit, you know, former smoothie makers, paper boys, that have been tapped as assets and for some reason have been made important. I mean, let's not forget Ali Akbar. Wait till you see on this documentary when I put it on, right? The part two. In the end, wait till you see who they told you was an exceptional guy and how you should listen to him. <sighs> but how do you wake the people up? You have to show them. And if you lose a state, if you lose a city and territory, family, friends, and lives, and so be it, because there was no other way. No other way. No other way. Yeah, this was about protecting the Constitution from special interests, but perfectly okay uh, for out-of-state uh, billionaires to influence lawmakers to rush this to the ballot in August. So, you know, again, uh, I would go with the Secretary's words uh, and actions, and it's been all over the place, so it's hard to keep up. And again, issue one only punishes voters. It does not punish the politicians who are in power. Uh, constitutions, again, are for those fundamental rights. And to me, it's about simply trusting the people of Ohio. It's all about ensuring that the majority of voices in Ohio get to see changes that they want to see for their families and their communities. We do that at the United States level. It's a very high bar, and we should be doing the same thing in the state of Ohio. Have a nice high bar to protect our Constitution. We're changing 111 years worth of precedent. Grassroots organizations would basically have no way to put something on the ballot if we allow issue one to pass. You know, one of the arguments that my colleagues talked about was that this was going to prevent big spending in our state from outside communities, outside places. And the reality is we've seen the exact opposite play out in this special election. There is big spending happening from every walk of life across, across this United States coming into Ohio on issue one. Issue one is about freedom. It's about freedom of, of, to use your voice. So what? Let's pretend you round up XYZ. 
let's pretend we do XYZ. All right. And then what? Your elections are still bunk. There's going to be another one. And then what? Your elections are still bunk. They'll take your guns. And then what? Your elections are still bunk. They will take your kids. And then what? Your elections are still bunk. They will take your money. And then what? See, there are things that we need to be focused on. And this is just not working for me. I am extremely salty. See, well, many of the comments are like, so we all have to bleed from my eyes and die so it doesn't happen again? Well, I guess so. This is war. What do you think this is? Just a political argument? This is war. And you just had the people telling you all these years that the elections are rigged to give more power to the people that are being selected by the rigged elections. And yet here you are trading one master for another, one master for another. And that's, that's basically it. You are trading one master for another because they know best. You're too stupid to know. People are dumb. We should be in control. Look at me. I fought wars. Look at me. I have nice hair. Look at me. I'm great at speaking. Look at me. I have people that love me. Look at me. Trust me, because the other ones are crazier. Right? That's it. And you know, when I say these things, it's not directed to the people that are actually listening right now. It's for the people that are going to listen to this later. Well played, Masad. Well played. Well played. <laughs> this is war. And people are busy with popularity. And it was genius. What your new masters did that want control, because they know best. They're smarter than you. You're stupid, so stop talking. They're smarter than you. This is what they're telling you. You know, and I see it in influencers all the time when I meet up, right? And I see them. I, I can call out names. They think they're important. They're like, yeah, my word. They asked me to, uh, you know, endorse. Who the fuck are you? I'm sorry. What were you doing before this? Oh, that's right. Nothing. <laughs> what were you doing? <gasps> you were making smoothies and now you're an expert. Stop it. Stop. This is war. And what they did, let's all look back to Twitter. Remember in 2018, how there were these randos that popped out of nowhere with a quarter million followers, but they were also following a quarter million people too. The Trump trains, right? Follow back, follow back, follow back. And everyone was on this high of, oh my God, they just retweeted me. Oh my God, I just spoke. Oh my God, this. <laughs> it's like they got you on that high and everybody wants that back, right? They made so much money. It's disgusting, right? <laughs> disgusting. And if you talk bad about one of them, all of them denounce you. And this is where they excluded me, even though I had actual valid information and they were just getting orders or reactionary information. But Candace Owens says great things. Yeah, she does sometimes. But have you looked into how she came here? Oh, the same Israeli talent agency that Tommy Lahren came out of, Scott Pressler came out of. But they're doing great things. Yeah. Because <laughs> those who want to control you are going to tell you that. Hey, guess what? I want to put some invisible chains on you. So uh, 
just follow suit and uh, just uh, pay attention to what I have to say. Or what about the Ali Akbar thing? And you know, people thought, you're just talking about Ali Akbar now because, you know, he, he did this. Yeah, he created a whole misinformation operation against me. Where's that attorney general now? Right, six feet under. That's right. I didn't have to do it. God did it for me. But think about it. I actually spoke about him way before that. A long time before that. Why? Maybe I knew, right? Maybe I knew. Maybe I knew. <laughs> you didn't know. Okay, sure. That may, if that helps you sleep at night, makes you feel better, you just move on along. Because a lot of them wish they were me. Yeah, Bobert too. Bobert came out of that same agency. See? And then we have Jim Jordan. He's a great guy. Have you checked out his portfolio? That's right. Mm -hmm. That's up. Do you think he got a pass because maybe he's trying to help? Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. See, that's the thing. The Libertarian Party has filed a lawsuit over issue one. Thankfully, someone did. I wish I had the guns too, but I am bleeding money out my bejeez for other lawsuits right now because I'm actually trying to make change. I've got kids. I want to make sure that I do what I can to fix. I know I didn't harm my nation, but I fine-tune their strategies overseas that they use them over here, and it was perfect. Perfect. It was fantastic, because that's what they did. They gave you that high. You wanted all those tweets and likes. Everyone was on there. You know it. I, you know, all of you. I'm talking to you. You know it. And it's okay. We all get our heads gassed up every now and then, right? We all get our heads gassed up. Now we're having a big wave of religious actions. Wait until you see how they do it. I mean, they've been weaponizing the Islam religion for a very long time. Use them as props all the time. Because they were the easiest ones, right? Low-hanging fruit, man. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Weaponize the shit out of them only because they have like eons of history of battles. And so it's so easy to just op them and have them do what you want. But the Christians, that's another machine. Don't forget, we used to have people that used to flog themselves walking from Germany all the way down to Jerusalem. We have religions that have popped up in, in the past century that tell you they're the true. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Were you there 2,000 years ago? Do you know what happened? No. Then quiet. See, people don't like it when I, when I speak factual things. You know, like, oh, the Jews are terrible. Really? Have you read the Torah? Kind of sounds like the Bible. Same thing. But what happened? It changed. Just like Christianity. Only with Judaism, you don't see it much. Right? Because you're not really interested in that. You just see the, 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 the two extremes. But let's look at Christianity. Historical Christians, the Orthodox Christian faith. Then in 1054, and then it became the Roman Christian faith that was aligned with the Orthodox Christian faith. And then they're like, nah, man, we need like a leader on earth that represents God. He's holy. All our priests are not going to have sex. They can't sin. They're supposed to be holy. But that's blasphemy. You can't say that someone's a representative of God. You can't have a man saying that he's a representative of God. And you can't tell men to not fornicate or have families because that's against the word of God. And that's where the church split. And then after that, a king, get this, a monarch 
wrote a Bible and everyone's like, yep, that's the best version. It's like, uh, okay, I guess. And then we have Protestant, Lutheran, Pentecostal. Can, can we just keep perpetuating more versions and more versions? Because it's like, you know, sequel one, two, three, it just dilutes. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street, number one was great. Number two was, ah, okay. Number three was mm, four, five, six, then it gets stupid, right? And we just go further away from what it is. And we have how many versions? Have you ever looked at going to find a scripture in the Bible and just put it in there and you have like a hundred million versions of the Bible and you're like, what's going on here? And they're all in English, right? We're not talking about languages. See, that's the thing. We don't pay attention. We just listen. It's a whole Milgram experiment. That's why for years I've been showing you the experiment that if someone in authority tells you to do it, you just do it. Oh, they know better than me. You know, I live in a trailer. I live paycheck to paycheck. I guess that guy's smarter than me. Why do we elect people that are dubiously rich? Hmm? Right. That's right. Because we have been conditioned to bend the knee. And the reason they look like giants and all of this looks like something you can't control and you can't rein in is because you're on your knees. That's the only reason they look like giants. That's the only reason. Other than that, they're nobody. They are absolutely nobody. Why? You pay their salary. You put them in office. You tell them what to do. But you know you forgot that. So you just mind your P's and Q's. They tell you they can't see you. The fuck you can. You're getting paid by me. You better see me. That's how people need to do it. But I digress. I digress. You know, we have people like Alicia Powie writing for Big League Politics, wrote for other ones, great political operative, worked with Bush, loves Bush, hangs out with all of the Bushies, loves Bush, loves Bush. I'm going to call out some names. Why not? What are they going to do? Maim me. I could eat you for lunch. Hmm? Maim me. I can eat you for lunch if I want to. Where are you putting your faith into people that come out? Like, like that John Hedron guy, Badlands, they all shit all over Dr. Jan, right? And that's a guy that has Twitter handle, Patel Patriot, because he's so thirsty. He literally sweats the shit out of Cash Patel, who, by the way, has a very schnazzy choice in jackets. Like, damn. And you listen to him because? Is he smart? Has he been at, you know, in the trenches? We shouldn't listen to you, Tori. You work for Brennan. Actually, no. Brennan actually worked for me. He trained me. Uh, he was my customer. And he was my POC for the United States. Because I was representing all of you, including John Brennan. Right? So again, who are you putting your faith into? To listen. Well, this guy has a great podcast. He like says things like all mysteriously. Really? What about consistency? Consistency makes sense, doesn't it? Or let's talk about the Erickson report, the one that I actually gave to Congress in 2017. That someone else owns now, of course. Right? Am I telling you this to listen to me? Fuck no. Don't even listen to me. Pray. Listen to your present because he tells you exactly what you need to know. See, he made mention of something that I said years ago, right? Before anyone knew a lot about COVID. I told the world 
that in 2016, I was in direct contact with the first COVID patient. The end of 2016. Had issues in exhaling. And they, 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 they diagnosed it first as an allergic reaction. And then they did all these tests. It wasn't allergies. And then, and then, and then, and then. And I had all the blood work from start to finish. But, you know, everyone else is a COVID expert. Because you're not a doctor, Tori. You're right. I'm not. But I did go to school. And I went to school in order to penetrate the labs because I knew what was coming. Disease X. Here we go with the letter X again. Transition. Crossroads. Unknown. Right? This is, I was going to do a show on chimeras today, but I'm going to do it tomorrow. It's going to be science. I won't be doing it on YouTube. And this, after I'm done, will be taken down. So Archivist, this first hour and a half is my show for you to put on as a podcast. I appreciate you, Tempest. Now, let's move into finishing off what I started with James Clapper. I fear no one. And you should do the same. You should trust your gut. You should have faith in your ability to discern. And while all my shows in 2020 and 2021 warned you of all the diseases and educated you, as you can see, the medication that I mentioned is no longer searchable. You can't search it anymore. While there are many people pushing protocols, you cannot change your DNA with a protocol. You can only deal with the symptoms. Please understand that. Have faith in God because you will see things change. I am a perfect example of when you completely surrender how that works. Even though I struggle, look at me now. I'm salty as shit. This is not Christ-like what I'm doing. I, you know, but I'm out of box completely. Completely. Journalism used to be about educating the masses about what's coming. Now, it's only to influence how you see things and what you have to say. When they say this is big book, oh, it is. Let's not forget the story of Jesus. You know, one of the best depictions, and for you Christians that are super not open to this, I suggest you read what they said about Jesus's final days in the Quran, right? Because they, they believe in Jesus. They just think he's a prophet, not a Messiah. I mean, Messiah, prophet, same thing. The Jews didn't believe he was a prophet or Messiah. But what he did, he changed the world. You have to remember, he stood there and they had to decide. Barabbas, the criminal, the killer, the thief, or the one that had people preach love, free speech. At the bottom, well, the bottom line of why Jesus was crucified, if you think about it, stripping away religion, and God, he was crucified for free speech. Because why? If you think of love, if you think of serving others, if you think of doing good, those are actions. And he committed thought crimes. He changed the way people saw their church, their congregation. 
He made it clear that your church is not a building so much. It's when two or more people gather in his name. Doesn't matter if you're wearing a yarmulke, a hijab, or nothing. Or what is that religion where people like shave a hole at the top of their head? Man, when I first saw that, I was like, yo, that's real. At first, I thought it was a condition that the guy had a bald circle on his head. But then I saw his son had it too, the little boy. And I'm like, damn, what's going on here? Well, whatever your religion is, when you get together and you talk about God, regardless of your version of God, there is just one true God. And people will find him no matter how they are. And I bring it back to the example of if the Egyptians were by the Lake Nile, they wouldn't have a river God. It would have been a lake God. Your culture, your societal influences, your food, your language is exactly that. How you shape your purpose and why you're here. Now, further that, before I switch over to premiere part two, I wanted to say, please think of the Temple of Babel. You know when Babel crumbled? as not one of confusing languages, but one of confusing information. Now you'll see the Tower of Babel now. You are in it. You just don't see it yet. Not everything is, <laughs> it's, is exactly the way it is. You don't sell your daughters for cows anymore. I mean, they used to be dowries. I would have loved for the next, you know, for the man that I marry, I'll be like, okay, here's what I want. I want, uh, you know, I want a house in the Bahamas. I need a million dollars. I want it in writing. I want, uh, you know, one vacation every month. And that's my dowry. It's like a, it's a contract. <laughs> if I'm going to pump out babies and I'm going to be home cooking for you. I want all these things. You know, I, I, this just jokingly, but it would have been ideal actually, but jokingly. That's basically how it was back in the day. Wives were betrothed at the age of like six, even one. Someone would make a baby for the person that had the son. But okay, I digress. I digress. You know, I need to have more conversations. One of these, um, one of my episodes that I'll probably be doing on YouTube that I'm putting together, and I will do this um, starting September. Well, no, I'm not going to let that cat out of the bag yet. I can leave it alone. All right, guys. So for those of you that are here for the documentary, please pay attention. Those of you that are um, my subscribers, annual subscribers on local, obviously you have this in perpetuity for free. And also don't forget that the versions that I put on locals actually have data baked into it. So, you know, for those of you that had John Brennan part one, you've got a couple of John Brennan emails there, handwritten notes and stuff. And even an email from Victoria Newland, right? Get this negotiating the discussions with Natalie Yaresko that I was actually at in Ukraine during those elections. So again, Natalia Yaresko, you need to look into her. She was the finance minister for Ukraine. And isn't it funny how the IG of the NSA, well, now he's the IG of the DOD right before he became IG of the NSA, even though Trump pulled his nomination to him because Obama picked him first. Let's 
not forget, just so you understand how President Trump works, I would have done the same thing. Robert Storch was nominated for the first time to be IG of the NSA. It was the first time that ever happened during the transition period that Obama changed the law and made the position of the IG of the NSA presidentially appointed, right? So he did that during the transition period. Panic, anyone? You see what I'm saying? And then Robert Storch it was never confirmed by the Senate during the transition period, okay? Pay attention to what I'm telling you, right? Storch, I'm a torch. Remember, Robert Storch and his wife actually created the National Anti-Bureau uh, Corruption Bureau in Ukraine. Right? And his wife is the one that trained all the journalists that hijacked John Solomon and other people, right? Because I have friends that work for them. I know you don't. Yes, I fucking do. So then as we move along, President Trump nominated him as well because that's what he was recommended to do by, all the, by his um, NSA advisor in the beginning of January, the incoming NSA advisor. And um, then he pulled it. Then he was like, oh, whatever, right? And while that was on the, on the docket for the Senate to confirm this guy, Robert Storch, for IG of the NSA, he was interviewing with the president of Ukraine and the cabinet, the presidential cabinet of Ukraine for a job in the Ukraine as a Ukrainian official. And then I'm thinking, wait a minute, how can we have Americans working as elected or selected officials officials in foreign countries? How can the Minister of Finance then be financial oversight for Puerto Rico too? The Minister of Finance of Ukraine is now financial oversight for Ukraine too. And how is it that the IG of the DOD now was being entertained for a staunch position of political power in Ukraine? <laughs> Almost makes you think, what is Ukraine? Well, that's another story. Working on that one. That should be a documentary like no other to the level of enjoy the show. Now, having said that, please enjoy the show.